0: Welcome to the Joyfulness Broadcast. This is an awesome episode I've been looking forward to since uh, since a couple email exchanges. And I have with me Fran Grace, the author of The Power of Love. Fran, thank you so much for being here and welcome. <laughs>
1: Glad to be here. Thanks for having <laughs> me. Wonderful. Wonderful to meet you and see somebody in Australia. Wow. <laughs>
0: yeah okay so we have so much there's so much potential here to cover <laughs> which is awesome and let's just start with the power of love the book oh yes. my connection is unstable we're good yeah the book so i mean i have a copy coming thank you very much for sending that i'm looking forward yes, to reading you. it oh there it is the power of love cool the power
1: of love yes
0: so what's the story behind the book? How did it come about?
1: Yes, uh, it's dedicated to my teacher, Dr. David R. Hawkins. It's dedicated to him because without having met him, I wouldn't have known really what love really was, you know, what it was. I. I grew up, gratefully, in a loving family and, you know, a decent a decent upbringing, kind parents who taught me values of taking care of others and doing your best, and <laughs> there was a little bit of some Protestant ethic stringency of, you know, stoicism and self-reliance, which aren't bad in themselves, but they can tend to be void of real... Uh, real connection with others, mm. and loving of one's own self, you know. So that's what was missing. And at 15, and this is how the book opens, I'd had one experience of what I would call that quality of love that's so pure and peaceful and infinite. And it happened in a classroom suddenly out of nowhere a pillar of light came and encompassed me into itself and i dissolved into it and what i thought had been me you know this i was 15 you know a teenager full of angst (laughs) angst and you know insecurity and Mm -hmm. and you know complaining to myself i'm sitting in class complaining about the teacher complaining about you know, everything. Mm, (laughs) Um, Suddenly you understand that whole sense of myself completely dissolved into this melting light. Light, not in the sense of uh, fluorescent light or lighting in a room or not even sunlight. It wasn't warm. It didn't have a temperature, but it had a quality and the quality was total mm, omniscience like it knew everything about everything it always had it always would and that i myself was that same omniscience that sounds crazy but but omniscience in the sense of um infinite knowledge and yet infinite mercy and grace where everything i had ever been and everything I would ever be was completely accepted and, and embraced. and um, So that, that was the first real profound experience I had of that quality that Dr. Hawkins talks about as is, is what love is. It's unconditional. It has no beginning and end. It's not an emotion. I didn't feel an emotion in that state. I just was aware that there was an infinite silence i all the thoughts you know the little <laughs> rattle 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 <laughs> <Yep>. oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it it's like it it's like you, you know you're listening to a television really loud and suddenly the power goes out. I mean, it just was instantly silent, and love is that way. it's a power radiation it's not a something coming at you with a bunch of. Verbiage or so that was 15, and um, what happened for me was my family's pastor, religious minister, told me that it was the devil, and that was then a separation, you see, from this glorious infinite love that I had experienced a separation and it became uh I had to disidentify with it. I had to reject the experience. My de- devil for God's sake. Oh my god the devil I mean thanks oh my god you know so this this is you know this has happened throughout history with different religious hierarchies who Maybe he, that minister, had never had an experience of, of love. You know? It, it it maybe it terrified him. He was he was trying to give my parents and me an answer to our question, which was, what happened to Fran? You know, and he gave his best answer. <laughs> it just meant I was uh psychically impacted from his judgment for uh, then until I met Dr. Hawkins. So I carried that uh, wound, that that horrible, actual desecration of the most sacred experience I'd had. But that's okay, that's how it went down. (laughs) (laughs) It was my destiny to go through that and uh, thankfully I didn't wind up in a mental hospital. But you understand that when a child is told that their most beautiful experience of love is the devil, and it happens more than we'd like to think, where a child is shut down from their spiritual nature, then that has a real, real impact on their mental health, their you Know they're t- functioning as a human being, so I uh I suffered, and that we talked earlier before you started recording about my severe anxiety. See, when a minister tells you you have the devil inside, you're not gonna want to go much anywhere or say much. <laughs> I mean, the devil might come out. <laughs> I mean, it really you let's say extremely self-conscious. <laughs> that, yeah. I, mean, I mean, you get it? It was uh it was a real suffering. But somehow you may see my cats. I have three cats here running around. <laughs> they are very fun uh playing. Uh, so anyway, that was at 15 and then at age 39 I met Dr. Hawkins. And the book recounts my own life journey through my different experiences, like getting married, getting a PhD, I got a PhD at Princeton Theological Seminary in Divinity. I was able to accomplish a lot intellectually because, you know, that was all that was preserved. My emotional and spiritual and relational side of my heart, you might say, uh, I had had to disconnect from because that's where all the strong love was, you know, because Mm -hmm. he said it was the devil that got almost like stuffed into a closet inside my unconscious and with a lot of locks on it. But the intellect (laughs) was free to do its thing, and it did it very well. So I became a scholar and a professor and had certain achievements as an academic. But there was an inner misery, an inner suffering inside, which I think people listening can relate to. It's not, this is my story, but when people read the book, they tell me that they can relate to it, even though the details are different. There's many ways in which we as children are cut off from that joy. You know, your yours is a program on joyfulness and and our joy, our spontaneity, our our happiness to be ourselves and to be alive and and to love others and to be loved and to hug a tree and to you know and to purr with a kitty and you know to just be doing nothing but feel one with everything i mean these are beautiful experiences and often children are pounded with you know well you know that's not what life is about and you know don't believe all that crap (laughs) and uh, you'll never amount to anything if you you know just looking at the Mm -hmm. stars. i mean that whole side of us that wants to connect with something beyond ourselves and knows the truth of that 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 there's something truly beautiful about being alive, you know. So many children are uh, forced underground, you know, their spirits are forced underground. And mine was until 39 when I met Dr. Hawkins because he was a free spirit, see, he was liberated. Mm-hmm. Uh, we become ourselves when we're around people who really are truly uh, themselves. So the book then recounts that whole experience of my life uh, and then meeting him, which is the great encounter of my life. And he always said, Nicholas, that you yourself are what you're looking for. How profound.
2: Mm -hmm. How He,
1: He didn't see himself as the answer to what I was looking for. It's so much deeper than that. It was inside of me. The self, capital S, he said, of the student is the same as the self within the teacher. You yourself are what you're looking for. And there was the answer for me. And that was a long time ago. And I ended up moving to be there with him. I, uh, it's all I wanted to do. I, I moved there and I asked my university to give me a part-time workload. So I reduced my teaching in order to live a good part of the year in Arizona where he was and the way life happened the great grace of my life is to have become close to him and his wife susan uh in a in a way that was like family and i recount those experiences in the book also and how um you know just in the day-to-day living sitting there watching tv with him or Yeah, working on the Letting Go book. The Letting Go book is a book that you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. and uh, You know, just sitting there with him. Oh, wow. we, we did all the edits uh, orally, reading uh, several, we went through several rounds of, I was reading him the book and he would tell me the changes he wanted to make. And so all those experiences. And then before he died, he passed away eight years ago. And before he passed away, he and Susan calibrated all the people that I would interview for my book, The Power of Love, because we all wanted to make sure that they calibrated in the energy field of love, which is on his of consciousness. People may not know what we're referring to here, but Dr. Hawkins created a... Map of consciousness, which has become trademarked now and used in schools, businesses, governments, all kinds of contexts, and it lays out really the fact that we all know that different people and places and things have different vibes, (laughs) (laughs) different energies. I mean, I can walk into a room and say, God, it's creepy, get me out of (laughs) here. I don't like the energy of it, and then I walk into another room talking with you, you know, it's a nice vibe. You know i'm enjoying being here in your zoom room we're having a nice resonance and it feels lovely Beautiful. so he calibrated those and then after he passed away i went to meet these people and so in the power of love book we have fran's journey of seeking and finding and being transformed as a human and then you see fran encountering these great teachers from around the world that are calibrated by Dr. Hawkins and Susan to, so we can say it's verified that when you open the pages of the book, there's something truly loving that you're going to be in the presence of.
0: Wow. (laughs) That's a lot taken. That was beautiful. Beautiful to hear that because I only knew stuff from the email exchanges and I haven't had a chance to read the book yet. And I I did watch a Instagram video of yours where you were talking about just being with Hawking's, being with Sir Hawking's, and just seeing how you had the story of you're taking out the dog, and he's just just this really small things, like recognizing how would you could you. Retell that story because it's so oh, beautiful. <laughs>
1: that's sweet, and and to tell you the truth, I hadn't even thought of that that story, that experience until in the moment. Mm. It, was a, it was a Facebook Live that somebody put on the Instagram. I have uh, a uh, someone who helps me with the somebody young like <laughs> younger, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like you, you yeah. Know, me up to do the facebook live video and then she put it on instagram her name is megan she's lovely beautiful so and i was in the middle of the facebook video in this pandemic see there's a great opportunity during this pandemic to really see people in their inner nature really just peel back the customary ways of evaluating others according to their outer accomplishments. And, you know, who are we on the inside? That's all that matters. That's how I was seen by Dr. Hawkins. So anyway, I was (laughs) wanting that point across. And then this story, this whole experience just came back to me about how, yes, when I was with him and I would go over to his house often Many times a week, we just got close to him and Susan, like family and mm. very beautiful. I love her too. Susan has also transformed my life, his wife. And she right now is, is the steward of his
2: work. work.
1: Um, it's a 24-hour job. Uh, so I would go over there. and Yeah, so he would say, well, Kelsey needs to go out. Kelsey was on her routine. She went out at 8.30 in the morning, at noon, and at 3, and at 8 p.m. And Dr. Hawkins knows animals from the inside out. He knows the spirits of animals, and he knows that the doggy needs routine, that this is a way of loving the dog, to have a very structured routine. So, so... Oftentimes when I was over there I had I had the uh, mid morning shift. So, <laughs> so I would take the doggy out and he would want to know, well, you know, what did she do? Did she did she poop? <laughs> and I said, Yes, dog, she, she pooped. <laughs> and it was like, Oh well, Kelsey, and he would pet her, you know, you're to be commended. And then he would say, you know, sort of pet me, you know. <laughs> he was he was very affectionate with people that were close to him very affectionate very sweet very sweet and he said well you're to be commended too that the doggie felt comfortable enough to do her business <laughs> in your presence and it just made me so feels so good and very different from getting an award for my work you know which i have gotten you know different acknowledgements of my outer worldly accomplishments those are so ego oriented you know i did this i you know but what dr hawkins touched in me with that very simple observation was you know fran if a dog feels safe with you that means you have you have owned within yourself a quality of safety and and love for an animal and that the animal loves you it's it's not an ego it's not an ego attainment it's a quality (laughs) everyone has and all we have to do is let go of what we're not and then we experience these inner qualities of of being a safe person being a person that, that loves an animal it it was uh, very sweet and this is the way that he loved he affirmed your inner qualities and if he if anyone can do that for another person then they're giving them a gift of connecting to what matters the most inside themselves and i you know i didn't ever see myself that way i didn't i wasn't aware that it was a big big achievement for a dog to (laughs) (laughs) put i mean really i i uh i but as soon as he put some light on that it opened up that space that part of myself that then i could sort of just rest in and be Mm -hmm. that you know, and then to think, if Kelsey feels comfortable around me, you know, how, how am I with her in that moment? I'm, you know, I'm just enjoying the moment. I'm not pushing her, you know, so then I can then maybe be that way with one of my college students. Mm. You know, just, just sit and enjoy, you know. So it opens up a whole way of being. And I, I think right now with the pandemic, just to be with people and see who they are on the inside.
0: Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. That goes to what you were saying. I could see that in a different light now. Just uh, you're saying whatever you put attention on amplifies or grows.
1: Yes, exactly. It's, Mm. I mean, obvious, this is obvious, you know, whatever we really put a focus on, that's what we'll end up, doing i mean if i i mean the fact that you and i are talking right now is because we put some attention on making it happen you know you Mm -hmm. you sent a lovely invitation and i felt like oh this would be lovely so i said yes and here we are it was on our appointment book because it mattered to us Mm -hmm. and uh if we put attention on something so we it's important what we put attention on in other people, because that's what will grow in them.
0: Hmm. <laughs> yeah, so it's simple. I mean, it sounds really simple to me to just acknowledge the love and beauty that we see in others. Yeah. Hmm. Beautiful. How How was it living with uh Susan and Hawking's in terms of did you see relationships in any way, if if that's appropriate to ask?
1: Well, I didn't. I didn't live with them. I lived around the corner from them. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry if I miscommunicated that. Are you asking about their relationship?
0: Well, yeah, and well, let me just yeah, and just like in terms of seeing their relationship and comparing yeah. it to how you know, pop culture relationships. <laughs>
1: yes i'm happy to talk about that i, I, uh, I talk about it in the book oh, beautiful.
0: there's a whole chapter on uh
1: there's a whole chapter on being with them and how they were with each other and how they related
2: hmm. uh
1: yes it was Fantastic. Uh, It was so healing for me as someone who had grown up in a certain kind of family. I grew up in the South, deep South here in the United States is a cultural environment that's very restrictive. People sort of walk around on tiptoe. They're never really real. There, are it's, it's somewhat fear-based and very authoritative. You know, the parents, okay, yes, so parents do have authority, that's appropriate. However, that's different than being authoritarian is what I wanna say, where it's very hierarchical. Anyway, everybody's terrified <laughs> to say what they really wanna say, you know? So then I, going to Dr. Hawkins and Susan's home, into witnessing a relationship where both people are free see they're free they're, they're not afraid and they know that love will withstand whatever a person would need to say or bring up love doesn't judge love doesn't repress love doesn't criticize so they were always surprising me with how transparent they were in saying whatever it was about, you know, how they felt or, you know, what they were uh, annoyed or anxious about or um, what they were happy about or what they needed to be doing or where they wanted to go. Or... So it was very liberating for me. To be not only in his work, we read about love, and we feel it in his presence. As he was a spiritual teacher, who I don't know. Did you ever go to the events?
0: Uh, before my time. Oh, okay,
1: all right. <laughs> I would oh, love
0: to. Oh,
1: oh, all right, honey, you're making me feel old. <laughs> 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 when you went to the events and and many people describe the atmosphere you just feel the presence of this incredible love and and um and so that's all one thing but then just to go to their house and see them you know talking about what what are we gonna feed the cat you know (laughs) and What are we gonna do about the situation where you know we've got to replace the roof, or you know, you know, the well broke, or you know, whatever? Just the common day-to-day stuff, or the broccoli. The parrot is just going off like crazy, <laughs> you know. And what I loved about it is they were never pretentious, not pretentious at all, not pious, which you know I have a hard time with that these days. You know, people get like a spiritual ideal in their mind about what a spiritual person looks and says and acts like, and then they try, their ego tries to reproduce this sort of persona (laughs) of a properly (laughs) spiritual person, you know, and it just it's 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 an act not i'm not saying they know they're acting because they don't they're just unconsciously kind of programming their ego to to produce a persona mm. that they think is spiritual but dr hawkins and susan were just real authentic down to earth you know they're like yeah i'm annoyed <laughs> and, and dr hawkins would say you know the human life comes with annoyances. You know what are you going to do when a brick hits your foot? Say, oh, praise God, hallelujah. <laughs> no! <laughs> no, you have a few, you know, choice words because that, you know, the reality in the moment. And then, of course, as you know from the Letting Go book, then you, you know, internally, you know, you're letting go. You're, you, I mean, you're letting go of the, of the sensation of the labeling of it. But you're not going to pretend that it was the most ecstatic experience you've ever had (laughs) 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 so they were very real and um, it was very fun very fun to be with them always we were laughing or crying you know there were times honestly where there were things to to weep about
0: wow beautiful experience
1: yes i'm i imagine that i was given given it to in order to share which is what i try to do in the book the power of love book i'm trying to share what it was like to be with him and them behind the scenes because people wonder you know they have maybe a question of well is he the real deal you know or something and i just all I can say is from my experience, seeing them day in and day out, 100% beyond. Absolutely incomprehensible level of surrender. He had no will of his own. You understand? Absolutely. I, I saw him down on his knees totally surrendered to whatever he had to do for all of us. And I would say it's far beyond my limited understanding. I All I did was write down <laughs> what, what I witnessed and heard. I documented things. Hmm. I don't understand everything. But my sense is that he is a teacher and great beings like Dr. Hawkins, They are taking on a lot of the suffering of humankind on a level that we'll never know. Mm -hmm. Just his prayers alone. I mean, he prayed every morning and every night specifically for people who were suffering and animals who suffered. And uh, just his whole existence was surrendered in service to all of us
0: well yeah well, i was t- i was really touched by it. i don't know if it was in letting go or the eye of eye um we're at the start it was talking about hawking's experiences and basically how he stayed out of unconditional love for humanity and i don't really Yeah. again i don't <coughs> i don't know how to explain it either but you can just feel the, like, love <laughs> and integrity. The integrity of Hawking's is definitely something that I, I look up to a lot. You were saying with the books, I mean, just every, every um, sentence was calibrated, wasn't it?
1: Yeah.
0: That's incredible.
1: The integrity, you're right. 100%. 100%. Hmm. 100% i mean it just just through and through and i i guess i can say that because i saw behind the scenes you understand
0: hmm. and then how did that did that really influence you writing the book as you were writing it
1: of course i mean i <laughs> couldn't have book without you know without just not what it wouldn't have happened and um uh, and to tell you the truth, I have, uh, I have a lot of spiritual ego. I mean, I have a lot in my own psyche that I've worked with my whole life, long before I met Dr. Hawkins, of, um, you know, what he would call the spiritualized ego, the ego that wants something for itself, but then spiritualizes it all. <laughs> so it's very tricky. <laughs> Anyway, all to say that in writing the book, it was required of me to expose my own mistakes and to to not come off as a saint in the book. I had to tell the truth about my own life. A lot of mistakes I made, I hope to God I've learned from them. You know, that's what wisdom is, (laughs) not being free of mistakes, but making them and then learning from them. And... uh, You know, so so that's an important part of the book. And uh, that was because of him, I think, because his teaching is that we have compassion for ourselves. How beautiful. (laughs) That we can't help how we are, actually. You know? I mean, we just are who we are. And his uh, teaching that we can treat our our ego like a little pet you know a furry a furry little you know teddy bear or something or animal because that's what it is it's an animal Mm. and and we don't beat it up we don't hate it we don't punish it we just say hey you know watch out (laughs) (laughs) don't go poo in the neighbor's yard they might get upset you know (laughs) don't do that you know um so such great compassion allowed me in the book then to share my own experiences which from a spiritual ego standpoint someone would never want to share because (laughs) it's obvious then friend you know is not very evolved (laughs) 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 so just to be real myself because doc doc and susan you know are so real Hmm. so really What we all are here to be is simply who we are. Just to be who we are, because that's why we're here, created as we're created. You know? So I had to be who I am in the book.
0: Mm, Beautiful.
1: (laughs) Alcoholic, you know, alcoholic, Mm -hmm. gay, you know, that was the big, big difficulty for me was to um come to terms with being gay that was that was the big 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 challenge in my own journey is to accept that part of myself and then to write about it in a certain kind of way in the book i didn't want to put it in the book but i knew i had to
0: Mm, that took a lot of That's spiritual right there. I mean, what even real, authentic, that must have taken courage.
1: Well, I tell you, it's why the book took so long to publish is because I kept hanging on to my resistance about putting that piece in there because, of course, it comes down to one's own discomfort with oneself. You know, that's what it comes down to, fear. I was having nightmares about, uh, horrible nightmares about having that in the book, just horror. It was my own psychic warfare, you know, my own psyche inside of myself having uh, such, not just judgment, but severe. Like Saddam Hussein kind of horrible sadism against myself in my own unconscious. Like if I put that part in the book, that's what would happen to me. Self-destruction. You know, it just was really a lot to work through. And yet, you know why I had to put it in there? I had to put it in there for myself. Because I had to heal. Dr. Hawkins is a teacher, as a psychiatrist, who lays out total healing uh, and wholeness of each of us. And until we can, I think, experience that deep inner healing on every level, mental, emotional, psychological, then what are we actually even surrendering to God? You know? We have to become something, and then we can surrender it. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to um, do that for myself, heal, heal enough to share just who I am. And because my heart is, uh, my heart hurts for people of all ages around the world, especially young people who are literally killed because they're gay, literally killed, hunted down and killed, sometimes, and in some countries, by their own parents. So you tell me, uh, my heart hurts, and uh, I have students whose parents reject them and tell them, I'd rather you be dead than gay. So that kind of message is cruel. And I felt like because this is just who I am, and it must not be a mistake. For a while, I thought it was a mistake. Like, how did I, as a woman who's also gay, wind up being so close with Dr. Hawkins? I mean, that has got to be a mistake. It should be a young man who looks like you, you know, because that's traditionally the kind of, you know, disciple that ends up close to a master, you might say, but no, it was me in, in the role that I had. So <laughs> it would have been wrong of me hmm. to hide an aspect of myself that other people, probably millions of people around the world, suffer agony with. How could I do that to them? You know, to hide that. So at any rate, that was the hardest part for me in the book.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, now you're laughing about it and it's all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now Now, But my God, don't you think, I mean, if you look back at your life and you think of something that was really hard for you to do, and then you, you did it anyway. And it it is a release. I mean, we can laugh about it now because there's been this release from letting go of that fear. Mm. So great. (laughs) It's so great to let go of a fear if we're hanging on to it. And for people listening, you know, I mean, apply this to yourselves. What what are you afraid of? what are you afraid of, you know, and realize, you know, you don't have to live in a prison of fear. That really is fine to let go of the fear, you know, just try it. (laughs) You know, I'm just here to say, I am just happy (laughs) happy (laughs) to be free of that one. And any, any fear that I've had, which is a lot, a lot of fear.
0: So at the end of it, it just boiled down to letting go of it.
1: Out of love, see, out of love. Out of love. You let go of a fear because you do it out of love. And I loved I loved Dr. Hawkins. And a book dedicated to him could not have hidden shame in it. It just was not right. And I love him so much. I would give my life for him. I give my life for him because he gave me life. he gave me life, life in the sense of a life as myself, a life a life connected with love what what matters so so that powerful love and then love for people that suffer so much from being gay i I, I just out of love for them, you know, so I let go of that fear.
0: Mm. <laughs> beautiful so there there's a question something maybe which would be awesome to have to hear your perspective on is that uh on the one hand the helpless like not helpless we can't help but to be ourselves but on the other hand you have the like victor frankl kind of we can decide our own attitudes at any given moment
1: all right that's true Mm.
0: do you have (laughs) did you learn any i guess uh, i'm trying to uh, i'm open to learning a, a way in which i can communicate that power to people without condemning who they are in the most compassionate way in your eyes, what's the most compassionate way to to give people that power whilst also acknowledging that innocence, or in a way I just answered the question, but.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's a beautiful question. And obviously you're sincere in wanting to share some real breaking open experiences of knowledge and guidance that you've had, you know, you've been greatly helped, mm talking about here, and you're wanting to pass that on in a podcast, and, and and in other ways, maybe, so the compassion that I found from Dr. Hawkins is, you know, you don't drag people into the light, you just let them find it, and if they, I mean, there's no, people are, are what they are, and when they're ready to learn a new way, or something that could help them heal something, or be free of something, Thing, then then they'll come looking for it. I don't know if you can hear me because you just froze.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm here. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a I simple can't. one. Can you hear me? Oh, internet Did unstable. Hear I heard yeah, you. You can hear me. Okay. We're good. Yeah. I heard okay. you. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. That's a simple. So
1: what I'd like to say. Well, But it's hard to do. And Dr. Hawkins at home, there were many people that wanted his advice. Okay. And on the stage at the events, people would wait in long lines to come up to the front and sit at the table with him and present their problem and ask for advice. Uh, And in that context, he made his best effort to give them, not always what they wanted, but what he knew deep down inside, their soul was really asking. So that was a context where they were coming to ask for his advice. However, at home, with family members and neighbors and everything, he never once gave advice. And he would often say, It's none of my business.
2: Mm.
1: None of my business. I thought that was amazing. Like he saw exactly who they were, what their problem was, what their unconscious issue was. He saw everything. And he would often say, well, it's none of my business. And uh, that taught me a lot about one can have immense spiritual wisdom like he had. And never verbalize it.
2: Mm.
1: And even when I would ask him sometimes, when we were one-on-one at his house, I would ask him about something going on for me. It wasn't very often, hardly ever, that I did. There were times when he just sat silent. That's awkward. (laughs) (laughs) He sat silent. He didn't. He, he. It was a void of of no talking. I got nothing back in words, but the silence reflected back to me. It's you yourself you're looking for. You know you have the answer. Mm. How profound!
2: Very Gee. profound.
1: When people are ready, they look and they ask,
2: mm.
0: well, yeah, I think that's something i one of the highest qualities I admire from Hawkings. I mean, there's so much, but it's the total surrender to of everything to God, just everything without exception. Yeah. That's incredible, <laughs> incredible. yeah so okay so onto the book so that's that's the source of the book is hawking's love not like they're separate (laughs) but that 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 stuff
2: Mm -hmm. and
0: how was how was writing the book for you was it your own i mean you've already started to say how was your own journey writing the book Mm -hmm. was it part of your did it give you a lot of insight to speak to all these different people to hear from different perspectives, to hear the same thing being said in different ways?
1: Yes. Um. Hmm. It's interesting that when people read the book, and I'm I teach an online course through our university. Anybody can enroll for it. We have people from around the world, different ages, professions. It doesn't have any entrance, formal entrance admissions requirement. Uh, and I sit in on on groups around the country online, you know, Zoom, and they're going through a study of the book. And what's so interesting is how. People take such different things from it. So, for example, some people will say their favorite chapter is the chapter with the indigenous grandmothers. This is the International Council of the 13 indigenous grandmothers. I went to their gathering in South Dakota, which is the land of the Lakota. And I interviewed a Hopi Tiwa grandmother named Mona Polaca down in Arizona. She's part of the council and and their wisdom, their spiritual perspective emphasizes how all are related. The the two-leggeds, the one-legged, the trees, the 4 leggeds the animals. <laughs> the four elements, the earth, the air, the water, the fire, you know, very uh, connected to creation and the sacredness of creation and how the path of love is to walk in reverence of the relatedness of everything that exists. And then other people will read the chapter with... His Holiness the Karmapa, who is head of a Tibetan Buddhist lineage, who is a refugee in India, and I went to India to interview him, and then because I have a colleague at my university who is close to him, which is amazing, (laughs) he came to our university, and I got to be with him here and have a time of conversation. And some people read that chapter and here he's completely different than a Hopi grandmother. (laughs) I mean, he's sitting there in his Tibetan monastic robe, a refugee, you know, from Tibet living in India, head of millions of people worldwide who are Buddhist and he speaks Tibetan, mainly. And here he is imparting wisdom from a Buddhist perspective about meditation and uh, science. He's interested in the science of empathy, for example, and how we can cultivate our innate empathy. And so some people read that chapter and think it's fabulous. And then some people read the chapter of that's directly of Dr. Hawkins' teachings. and they resonate most with that so it's so the book is beautiful in that way because it's all it's all about love (laughs) but through different languages and expressions and cultures and there's a chapter with the physicist dr william tiller i mean he's a scientist you know he's not a monk (laughs) (laughs) or a grandmother or a priest or anything, (laughs) or a sage like Dr. Hawkins, he's a physicist who retired from Stanford and has pioneered uh, the tiller physics, which is a whole new paradigm of how human intention actually alters matter. So the intention, if it's finely tuned and focused, this is why we say what we give attention to, it grows. In his physics, he has demonstrated that if we finely tune our intention toward loving something and having the intention that it, let's say, a person who suffers from severe depression, Okay, let's just say there's somebody in the world who suffers from severe depression. If a small group of meditators imprint at the intention that that person or that group of depressed people might be alleviated of their suffering of depression, then that makes a huge difference. And in fact, that hoped-for outcome comes to be in a statistically significant way, or healing the symptoms of people who suffer with autism. In fact, uh, he did an experiment, which I mentioned in the book, of children in Australia. Your home. His lab is in Arizona, you understand? So this is the broadcasting of intention, human intention of love for a group of people in Australia who suffer from autism and that their symptoms be relieved. So that chapter speaks to certain people. That's the beauty of the book. I mean, anybody can pick it up and find something.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's cool. So, yeah, that's interesting. So there's something Hawking's also talks about in Letting Go, I believe, it's been a while since I read it. About how you would expect then, you know, if a loved one is in the hospital, why don't they, if love helps, why don't they get better from all the uh, perceived help they're getting from their family?
1: Oh, oh, sure. Yeah. Well, that's coming from an agenda. The person has an agenda. The way that Dr. Tiller sets up the experiments is not like that at all. Right. Right and it's explained, it's explained in the book, is that he always, he starts off the, in, the, um, the uh, you might call it a prayer, or the, the session, the intention session, by connecting with the presence of God, and God as the omniscient presence, and, and always ends it, the statement with, thy will be done. It's in your hands. And mm. then they, that lets it go.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, and it, he's so extraordinary, Dr. Tiller, because he doesn't have an attachment to the outcome. This is, he's, he's comes from a, a very uh, loving level, which is unusual for somebody working in in that area. Mm. You know. <laughs> I will be. Thy will be done. I mean, we could just have that as a mantra, couldn't we? Mm. (laughs) Thy will be done. That would ease things. (laughs) Go to the grocery store and try to get some toilet paper, and it's all gone. Well, (laughs) thy will be done, you know. Everything that we want, you know, or we think is good for somebody else. Dr. Hawkins told me one time, don't tell everyone all that I've taught you here because it might ruin their life <laughs> if somebody if somebody yeah maybe they have a tumor inside of them and they you know somebody wants them to get the surgery real quick well if it happens not at the right time then it may be more harm than good you understand so uh, people have to come across something at the right time for themselves otherwise it could be it could be worse for them
0: Hmm. Just going back to just surrendering everything to God at the end of the day.
1: Uh-huh. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. There's a great uh show on Netflix of all things.
2: <laughs> oh. Really? I
1: mean okay, there's a lot of great a lot of great shows. It's called Eunice Umre, E M R E. And it's about a uh well-known sufi mystic back many centuries ago anyway but he starts out as a very egotistical lawyer who thinks he knows it all and he can make judgments about everybody in the village and of course you know he's supposed to because he's the judge well he ends up encountering this sufi sheikh who's a who's a true mystic in in the in the series and He's inexplicably drawn against his better judgment. The judge just cannot stay away from this mystic. So he ends up in a process going to the dervish hall and saying, I want to learn from you. I want to learn from you. How do I start? You know, but that mystic sees that the judge thinks he knows everything. So the very first practice he gives him is a zikr. A zikr is when a Sufi says a name of God or a, a phrase over and over again. He gives them the zikr, I don't know. And he says, no matter what somebody asks you, doesn't matter what it is, if it's important or not important, you have to say, I don't know. And so that's his first practice. And my gosh, it really, it really dissolves that whole life habit of his egotism of thinking he knows everything, you know, some, some, you know, well, what's the weather? Well, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) What are are we going to be eating tonight at the dervish hall? You know, and you think, and you think, you know, you're going to say, you know, because you think, you know, but he has to say, I don't know. And somebody says, well, what does the Quran say about this issue? You know, and of course he thinks he knows it right in here in his head, but he has to say, I don't know. He has to say, I don't know. He has to be an idiot Mm. on everything. (laughs) So I like that. You know, I like just saying, well, I don't know. Mm. Try try that for a year, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. That's a cool one. I I don't know. Good fun. It's, actually-
1: it's what Dr. Hawkins told us to do. He said, you know, it, the ego says, I know, in, it, in, it, in itself. And I mean, my gosh, I know that one. I mean, I have a PhD in, in divinity, for God's sake. <laughs> 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 I mean, don't I think I know everything? And, and yet he says that, that's the trick, you know, I know. And so you change it to, I don't know. You know, that's the starting point. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So to really, to really, like work with that, to really work with that, I I, don't know. I I don't know. What's the answer to to my issue, Fran? I I don't know. I I don't I don't I don't know. You know, when's the when's the virus going to end? I I don't know. W- why do we have it? I don't know. You know, I don't know anything. Yeah, to, to, to really, because we don't, you know, I may think I have some sense of it, this or that, but oh, what do I know?
0: <laughs> That's cool. I get like the image of like a uh, kind of like the Buddha laughing, just saying, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Why are you asking me? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> oh, it's all very good.
0: Hmm. Well that's that's really thank you for sharing about Tilla. Um I, I mean originally I think my my I think I have always been interested in truth and my it began with physics um in high school and then quant just really being interested in quantum physics and then ended awesome. up dropping off that one. But yeah. I mean it seems to point it it just like it's really funny in terms of the I don't know one because you're taught you know, 18 years, you're taught the Newtonian paradigm of physics. And then in like one little subject, you're taught about quantum physics, just as one topic. And I think a part of me was like, this goes against everything that I was taught. I don't understand any of this. What's going on? Why is this just a topic? <laughs> um, yeah, it'd be amazing to actually learn from a physicist about this that authority from a physicist would be awesome Mm. well
1: the chapter in the power of love book is a beginning and then one of his devoted students who is an md and who put herself at his feet to study from him she just now published a book about his physics it's a fantastic book oh wow really really fun to read and um uh, Science and Spirit, it's called.
2: Science and Spirit. Yeah.
1: Yeah, she, she takes you through. And I am not a scientist, and yet I could understand it. Mm. I'd say most of it, not all of it. Uh, but I just need to reread it. It's It's very good. Yeah. And you see, understand, Nick, all these people that I met that Doc and Susan verified to calibrate in a certain incredible level. They were all just marvelous fun to be with. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't stiff. I mean, I made a freaking fool of myself. <laughs> 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 Places like when I went to uh see His Holiness the Karmapa in India, I went to the Gayuto Monastery in Siddhari where his whole, you know, retinue is. And, and you walk into this very official library with all these male monks lining the whole thing all around the walls. And Fran walks in with this tray of gifts, and I trip. <laughs> 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 and I don't know what the, exactly to do with the kata, you know, which is the scarf that's a symbol, mm. you know, of reverence with the High Lama. And even though I had been told what to do in the moment, I was, I just, it just left me, and mm. here I was tripping in front of one of the <laughs> highest walls in the world, and he was he was smiling, and he said, "Oh, here, here we do. You do it like this." I mean, it's just like a normal person, so gracious and kind, not stiff and and you know,
2: mm.
1: you know what I'm saying. So so beautiful, open hearted, fun. They you know we laughed together and. I ask him, well, what's your take on romantic love, you know, because that's what everybody wants to know. So I ask all the people, well, what's mm. your take on romantic love, because everybody wants to know. <laughs> he just started to laugh, he said, well, maybe next lifetime. <laughs> I mean, he's, not, he's like, you know, it's not my stick, you know. <laughs> Maybe next lifetime, and you know, just kind of laughing about
0: that, and so it was great fun. Great fun. Well, that that brings up. um, I remember something Hawking was saying: nothing is serious. It's only serious if you make it. (laughs) Definitely seems like the case with your fun interviews.
1: It was fabulous. And he taught us that humor is divine. Humor is humor is the way to get through anything. Mm. Um, Even laughing at the spiritual side of ourselves. That's that was my issue. I had so many hang ups about trying to be a spiritual person. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because I really wasn't that great at other things. I I grew up with two brothers that were outstanding. One was a real, you know, amazing. Intellect IQ, and the other one has a high IQ too, plus all these other things. They're just both very uh, accomplished persons, and I probably felt inferior. They were athletic and you know, popular at school, and here I was. I mean, I just, oh, okay, well, I could be a religious person, <laughs> that'll be my claim to fame. I'll be, more, I'll be more moral than anybody, you know. So I had, and so when Dr. Hawkins would just make, he would make fun of me, (laughs) of my piety. I mean, he really hammered me down by making fun of me until the point where I had to laugh at myself, see? Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) He tells a very funny joke. He tells a very funny joke where these people that are vegetarian and they think that you got to be vegetarian to be spiritual, you know, and so they get a Venus flytrap, which is a plant, you know, a plant, a Venus flytrap, a plant that eats flies, and they're like, oh, our new little Venus flytrap, you'll you'll just love little tomatoes, won't you here? (laughs) How about some avocados? They're trying to make their plant into a vegetarian. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. they think it's just so funny. Here, little sweetheart. I just want, <laughs> I don't want flies anymore. How about some carrot? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, that's sort of how I was, you know? Just putting a spiritual frame on everything around me because I had some idea in my head that that's how you're supposed to be. Instead of just letting the Venus flytrap, eat flies. Mm. That's why it's here. <laughs> 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 just to eat flies. <laughs> <laughs> just like seriously let people or animals or whatever they are, you know, let them be what they are. Mm. And when they're ready, and here we're talking about humans, because humans have the meta-consciousness to evolve in a certain kind of way. When they're ready, when something is ready to open up, it's different than it happens of its own.
2: Beautiful.
0: (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Yeah, sounds like the simple just love everything as it is.
1: Well, we have to because if we don't, then we're gonna be we're gonna be we're gonna be held up. Everything Mm. begins with an acceptance. You know, have to accept things as they are. We and and the challenge for us, having read Dr. Hawkins or you know people who are on a spiritual path specifically, the challenge is we read about you know, uh, the potential of us to become a certain kind of advanced being, let's say, and we, we want to be there already, (laughs) or in a worst case, we think we are already there.
2: Mm.
1: That's, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's, I encounter that quite a bit. (laughs) (laughs) People Mm. who think they're very evolved and and they poo-poo. Just <laughs> they, they poo poo like things like Netflix. Let's say like they won't, you know, they refuse to watch Netflix because you know they've evolved beyond that, or whatever, whatever spiritual fantasy they have about how they're supposed to be. You know, mm. I like they just be a normal person. You know, just just be normal, just be genuine and normal. And already, then you know you're in a good place.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny. That's the first. I mean, for example, from Hawking's is the first time I heard someone say poo. <laughs> 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 the yeah. spiritual master, don't poo that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's
0: fun.
1: Mm. It's all very good. But he was an extraordinarily ordinary person. I remember one time, and we better stop after this, okay?
2: Mm -hmm. I
1: remember one time, uh, one of his last lectures, we were all uh, in a bit of an upset because somebody at the venue had gotten upset about something he was talking about. And so they canceled him for that venue and there was nowhere to have it. So that was a challenge. And he said, you know, I just need to go inside myself and let go of standing out. Let go of being noticed because it was because somebody had noticed him and disagreed with him (laughs) that they canceled the venue. Mm. And In other words, flying under the radar. The ego always wants to be out in the spotlight and to be a big shot, you know, and to draw attention to oneself. How great I am! (laughs) (laughs) But he cultivated this art of of being, you know, just ordinary and simple and and knew the value of 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 not standing out and he would always joke like, Well, you know, when a gunman comes onto the street, he's not gonna shoot you if you're just looking ordinary. <laughs> you're standing out with a big side or you know big purple hair or something it's like hey, I mean just you know it's not like he was saying you know fit in with everybody he wasn't saying you know be a blob he was just saying you know just just be ordinary you know just be yourself just be genuine just be kind and um surrender your whole existence <laughs> That's all.
0: That's all. <laughs> That's all. Wow. Beautiful. Well, thank you so oh, much. Wonderful. All
1: right, Nicholas.
0: Thank you so much. I'll Nicholas. just close the recording. So thank you, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this. If you loved this, where well, you, you know where, where everyone can get your book, theinnerpathway.com. Uh, and you can look into the course there as well. Beautiful course. I'll definitely keep an eye on it and you're frozen or I'm frozen. Okay. We're good. Anyway, thank you everyone for listening to Joyfulness Broadcast. If you like this and want to stay updated with the latest episodes, you can probably best place, check out the Facebook group, Joyfulness Broadcast and review this. If you like this podcast on whichever platform you listen on and I'll see you guys next time.